Welcome to the Genuine X podcast, episode one. My name is Tom, I'm on the Genuine X team, and together with Martin, we're going to be talking to Christophe Mallet, a VR, AR, and MR entrepreneur, strategist, speaker, and co-founder of the company Somewhere Else. Somewhere Else is a London-based immersive technology and innovation agency. Today, we're going to talk about VR marketing, we're going to talk about the effect of 360 video on the VR industry, uh, we're going to talk about measuring ROI versus ROE as well. And we're going to talk about the age of experience, why millennials choose experiences over buying stuff. We also lightly touch on potential rumours of Facebook purchasing Unity and what that could mean for the industry. Enjoy. And um, we just had a, a really great sort of Gen X breakfast mm. with you where you, you took us through sort of a deck of ideas and strategies and thoughts as well as some of your work itself. Um, one of your opening bits was about, is VR marketing dead? Uh, do you want to just explain a little bit around that? I want to explain it because, let's say, um, mainstream VR, consumer-ready VR came in about 2015. Mm. And the expectations in terms of, you know, sales, in terms of everything were very high, you know, propelled by Ready Player One type vision of the future. Mm. Uh, and And a lot of it has not lived up to the hype. And so people were very quick to dismiss VR as a fad, a gimmick that's, that, that had died. And I use that um, to provoke a little bit because neither the expectation nor the statement that VR marketing is dead uh, are doing justice to the medium. I think it has, because it's immersive, uh, because it can be social, because it's interactive, it has very specific power when it comes to engaging people in a world where attention is a, is a you know, highly valued uh, commodity, but you have to do it right. And a lot of people have not done it right. It has damaged the industry. But if you do do it right, there's a lot to be gained from it. Do you think uh, that damage more comes from the, the sort of bottom end of the VR market? Is it the 360 market and the sort of ambitious promises that were made in that section which haven't really lived up to the to the hype, sort of the not real-time engine stuff? Um, so I don't think... I wouldn't blame the technology. Yeah. Um, I think I would blame the ecosystem. Yeah. And if I'm a little bit harsh... The way it worked a lot, let's say two, three years ago, was clients want a VR experience because, well, it's the new shiny stuff. Client talks to an agency about doing VR. The agency is supposed to know everything and therefore replies, hey, of course we do VR. Mm. Agency contacts five studios. Everyone's cutting corners. The studio cut corners that the agency can't see. Mm. The agency doesn't know what it's doing creatively, technologically, mm. and, and strategically. And so in such a vertical food chain where there is a clear conflict of interest at the stage between the agency and the studio, you often end up with crap Yeah. Um, because the relationship is not, is not clean and is not transparent. Not everyone is on the same, uh, same page. And I think that has changed now that too much crap has been created. Yeah. Everyone is a little bit more, more careful and the industry itself is a little bit more... Um, consolidated in terms of who are the big players that you can trust and so on yeah there's been a lot of failing on clients dimes hasn't there over the last couple of years it's, it's like yes as you say agencies saying they, they know what they're doing on client times but also you would sometimes watch a 360 video i remember a coca-cola one you know you know how much they spend on any tvc right yeah and you had one which was they had put a 360 camera on a cart in one of the factory and people were dancing around it mm -hmm. and when there's such a discrepancy 
in terms of your brand image between the different channels, it just doesn't work out. Yeah, it's not thinking the it's not thinking about the experience, isn't it? It's that whole kind of just plonk a three sixty camera down and and you're done. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Because one of my sort of the early when I was getting really into VR and obviously it was the shiny new toy and it's super exciting to go and try it. And you go to all the talks and stuff as you're part of the industry. I remember hearing the someone say that with sort of film as a two dimensional medium, we've had like 120 years to understand how to to use that. Whereas VR is five or six years we've really had to really get to grips with it. So it's like a really young medium, and I think maybe the part of the process of getting things wrong and stuff is part of developing that and understanding what it's really used for, right? You're absolutely right. I think the, um, telling stories in VR is, is, is completely different from a- anything that came before. Um, the best way to sum it up is in, in VR, you're stepping into the screen. So mm. you go from spectator to visitor. In VR, you decide where you look. You decide what you do, what you grab. Uh, and in that sense, the relationship between the creator and the audience the power is shifting towards the audience. Mm-hmm. As the creator, you cannot script the experience as much as you wanted before. And when you try, you end up with bad 360 video that force you to look mm. left and right, which is just a bad version of cinema. And so when you're telling stories in VR, um, a lot of the, um, the storytelling philosophy comes from, uh, from architecture and theater more than it comes from cinema. It's called uh, ontological design. You know mm. how um, if you're in a church, you're going to be silent. You know, you're not going to come with your bathing suit. If you're in a club, you're going to behave in a way. If you're in an office, mm. you're going to behave in a way. Regardless of who you are as an individual, the spaces that you live in dictate your behavior. And what you do in VR is you are creating behavior. You're scripting story through space, not through words, not through actors. Um, and I think there's a new, almost like new race of storytellers, which a lot of people call uh, storyscapers, where the idea is to build a world and build the rules of that world and then let the audience experience it for themselves as they would do in, in reality. And you're absolutely right to say that it is the same way cinema is 100 years old and it took, it took a long time before we had any, a, anything really of value. It, it's the same for VR and it's evolving fast and there are, mm. there are absolutely brilliant experiences out there and I don't think people say VR is dead have just seen what's, what's out there because some, some stuff is... Pure genius. Well, I mean, we we talk occasionally about how now actually, you know, you bring up the VR is mainstream. It's it's you know hit the. Well, I think that's what you allu- that's what you were alluding to, and the fact that the, you know you know the hype curve of emerging technologies. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was interesting that last year um, that was the first time that VR wasn't on it, which is so far as the the Gartner hype curve is concerned, VR is not an emerging technology, and AR is not far behind it. AR and VR is now at least as far as a hype curve is concerned, is, is a mainstream thing. And I kind of get that. I mean, you said there's, what, a million, a million and a half headsets around the world, which you wouldn't consider to be mainstream. But it's kind of a known quantity, isn't it? Because the PlayStation VR exists. Mm. People have had versions of VR on phones and YouTube 360 and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's considered to be mainstream, and yet it's still such a long way off of being something that everybody understands, everybody uses, everyone's happy to use. And I think when you come to you too, talk about the hype curve, you know, that kind of trough of disillusionment where everyone's kind of got fed up with it because it's not new and shiny anymore. It's just a bad experience. Um, the first thing I would say is about the hype curve itself. If I don't know if you've ever looked back at the old Gartner's hype curves, 
The mo- most of the times they get it wrong. It's a beautiful graph, but most of the times they get it completely Looks good wrong. Good PowerPoint. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 a good way to start a presentation when you yeah, don't know yeah. how to start. But uh, I think the main point about VR is 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 to forget expectations and what journalists are saying and just look at where the tech is today. And I think it is still we're still it's getting better. We're still in in experiment experiment mode. Mm. The leading a headset on on Steam is the HTC Vive, mm. for which you need tripods mm, yeah. and you know like sensors and cables and to bring your own like audio. Like it is it is the stuff of you know university labs. It's not it's it's not you know remotely as user friendly as a TV. Um, if you think about even the PlayStation VR, which is the most uh, mm. popular headset. Of uh, of them all, they use Move controllers. Move mm. controllers were developed in 2011. Yeah, and I think we haven't seen just yet, um, kind of like generation one of of uh, of of VR of mm. user friendly uh, VR technology. The Oculus Quest is coming. The Vive mm. Focus are coming, and for the first time, you're going to have a headset that does what's called six degrees of freedom. So you can mm-hmm. see your hands and move your hands and move your head really in space. Um, and not be tethered to a computer mm. and not have half sensors. And so to use an analogy with the phone is up until now, we either had mobile phones that needed to be plugged in, mm-hmm. like the HTC Vive, or we had mobile phones that didn't need to be plugged in but were super bulky and, and, and slow, like, yeah. like all, all the mobile headsets. Now, finally, the year of the iPhone for VR is 2019. Yeah? Knocking on wood. Because okay. I always found that the, the VR website and gen, um, the VR ecosystem of the community is really interesting because people divide into those separate headsets, right? And with HTC, you get smaller studios or indie developers who can make something. They chuck it up on Steam. Sometimes, you know, the community likes to talk and go through it. With PlayStation, you've got a huge adoption rate or their, their claims. I remember hearing them talk and they were talking about numbers of about 60 million by 2020 of people having... VR headsets, which I thought was very ambitious at the time. Mm, Um, But then that, as a community, is obviously very closed. They're a bit more dubious about letting people on that platform to be able to surface that community, so people aren't getting as involved in more indie, smaller, interesting things. Um, The way VR is being funded is kind of shifting around a little bit, which is changing the way some things can be made and developed. So it's a really exciting time in VR. Is there as much? Do you think that, I, I know, you know, to Tom's point, there was a lot of VC money in VR two, three years ago. Mm. Is that still the case? Do you know? Uh, it has shifted. Like, um, you heard about Jones probably. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So Jones, they had, they had tens of millions. I don't remember the exact number. And they were one of the first. They were just at the right place yeah. at the right time. But really, if you think about it, they had no business model. They were doing hardware. Mm. They were doing software and they were doing content. Yeah. Um, and they kind of died, even though they're not fully dead apparently yet, but they kind of died because of that. There is still VC money, but you have to, you have to show return on investment. So there is money now in, mm. in training, in healthcare, where you're actually you know, pushing the envelope and you know, helping people do their job better. Mm. Uh, when it comes to content, what Magic Leap is doing is very interesting. Mm. So I don't know if you heard about their, their, their competition. Mm-hmm. So they released the Creator Studio Edition because they know it's too expensive and not ready mm-hmm. yet. So they call it Creators. And now they had this competition where they would award God knows how many millions to chunks of up to 500K to, to Creators. The application was a one-pager. They received 6,000 applications. Wow. So, you know... Did you apply? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? But also, actually, two points. So the the new, I mean, talking about Magic Leap, which is um, mixed reality, Mm. and then you've got Mm. a few days ago... HoloLens. HoloLens 2, and their entire launch has been for industry. And even though, even though, technically, there are some there are some social kind of family games still within their software ecosystem, they've launched their brand new version of HoloLens purely for, as you say, for industry, for doctors, for well, as they say, people who need screens but can't have screens in their day to day life. They're not desk workers. They're people who work within like heavy industry. They work in, in, in labs and workshops and having a screen on their eyes. And that's kind of interesting how the use case is shifting away from from games, and particularly Microsoft going out and saying this is our main focus. I think from uh, from HTC in particular, it's interesting because you talked about the indie community of developer. Mm. The strategic focus of HTC has always always been the enterprise. Yeah. But if you want to get your if you want to get your PR, it's it's better to talk about Beat Saber, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I've got Beat Saber. I love it. Yeah. It's it's. It's the only the best game for yeah, my mum, yeah. you know. Like you, you get it after thirty seconds. Well, my uh, parents like that, which to me is a big, yeah. a big barrier. They'll go, they'll go in a headset for something like that. Yeah, it's very intuitive. That's the right. mainstream bit. Yeah, but that's an interesting one because, like, similarly, when it comes to the storytelling in VR, a lot of people have tried to say, "Well, I'm going to do, I'm going to do epic sixty-hour type quests mm. in 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 VR and designing beautiful worlds and stuff that takes about two hours to get to 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 get your." You know, to, mm. to get used to, and it works with a niche community. But the best, most played game are still like Tilt Brush and yeah. and Beat Saber. Yeah. And wh- when I do, I my mom tried VR for the first time last weekend. Uh, I was in Paris, and uh, and yeah, she stayed twenty five minutes in in, uh, in in Tilt Brush. Yeah, oh, that was Tilt Brush because that's quite that's quite interesting as well. Because I mean, so you've brought you brought your your climbing experience here, your mm. Adidas Adidas, isn't yeah. it? your Adidas climbing experience. Um, which I've not had a go on, but I'm really keen because I'm a climber. We've got we've got a climbing club here. But when I put my parents into a uh, an experience on the PlayStation, which is called Richie's Plank Experience, yes, you heard about that. <laughs> yeah. And essentially, what you do is you just put a couple of old like IKEA shelves on the floor and you line them up with the VR experience, and you're walking out off the side of a skyscraper. Yeah. And so for me, mean. who's been a gamer my entire life, it's, it's, it's not until a thing. But my, yeah. my, my father just would not, he wouldn't take one step. The level of immersion, and the graphics are really dodgy, yeah. really low-level graphics, but the level of immersion that he had, and I'm kind of wondering, and I'm guessing the same thing with this climbing thing, is the, the sense of altitude is, I imagine, quite scary. So it's, it's, when, when you present VR, it's the, the first thing that I present is a video of an equivalent of the experience you describe, a plank experience in... Um, it was done in Japan, where normally you walk on a plank, but there's a kitten because it's Japan yep. on mm. a, on a, on on the end of it, and your job is to is, is to save it. And then I show that number, sixty percent, and sixty percent of people did not save uh, um, uh, the kitten. If that was a game on your phone, it would be the shittest game in the world, right? Yeah. Um, um, but yet sixty percent couldn't do it, and for me, sixty percent is a bad number. One hundred percent shouldn't be able to do it because you would never save that that that, uh, uh, that kitten. And I think that's that, that's a, t- a testimony to the to the level of, of immersion. And for the Adidas experience, about twenty percent of the people cannot do the climbing parts because in real life, they are they are afraid. Yeah. And I was telling the story of this guy who were doing demos in Geneva, and he puts it on. He tells me that he's a little bit afraid of heights. When you're going to climb, it's going to take you about seventeen seconds. Because you're pulling the world down as opposed to pulling yourself up. So if you know a bit VR, you get it. Yeah. For him, he didn't get it. So he was really trying to pull himself up, except he wasn't really climbing. So he was on his toes, his legs shaking, sweating. It took him seven minutes to climb it. 
And because we're projecting the experience on the projector, just like in American movies, like people starting to stop, you know, like passers-by to stop and, right. uh, and, uh, and watch. And at the end of the demos, when he reached uh, the summit, he, he threw the headset away and started high-fiving everyone. <laughs> and I was like, that works. That's what I yeah. want. Because if I manage to create a sense of achievement yeah. from a five-minute experience, that's that's that for a brand is absolutely brilliant. Well, this is your point about return on experience, which you were talking about this morning, which is yeah. really, really interesting because we know the value of a physical experience. But what VR has done, at least in my observations, is it's the first time that you can recreate that digitally because we've had, you know, film can conjure up quite a lot of emotion, mm -hmm. clearly, from a storytelling point of view. <clears throat> but the the sweating and the panicking and the fact that people, you know, like my, my father won't step out onto a, into a virtual world. All of that is created with not even particularly good graphics in a lot of cases, but that level of immersion and the fact that you can do that in a really contained space, because you don't even need buildings anymore mm. to create these experiences. You just need a kind of a headset to do it. And that's a really interesting, for me, tipping point, the fact that you've got, that you can now create that digitally. You can actually send it out and do it in lots of different places. Mm -hmm. because all you need is a headset, give or take. Obviously, you need mm -hmm. something to help you with it. But I mean, do you, do you, is that something you observe as well? Do you think that do you think that's kind of fair assessment of it? Um, it's a fair assessment that you can that the, like the marginal cost of of deploying a Plank experience in another city from the one you first demoed it in is is much much smaller than the marginal cost of building an actual set. Yeah. Uh, if if ever you could build an actual set, that would create uh, uh, that kind of, uh, of 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 reactions. I think the there are two issues when it comes to the use of VR for location-based marketing. Um, the first one is um, often the lack of integration with the physical experience. And you guys talked earlier about building a multi-sensory room. And I think, I think what is going to make the difference in that market is, is, is you guys' ability to really work hand-in-hand -hand from the beginning to build experiences that mix the physical setup and the, and the VR in ways that interact as opposed to, hey, I've got an Oculus Rift in the, in the, in the corner there on a, mm. on a stand. That's the first issue. The second issue is, is one of storytelling. So I tried an experience for Orangina, and you know their, their motto is like, you know, you've got to shake it or the pulp stays down, something like that. Yeah. Um, and so they got the first part right. So the experience, you were uh, sitting on a ski lift. So they brought an actual ski lift, and whilst you were queuing, you would know that everyone after a while would step uh, out of the, the ski lift onto like a kind of a metal, metallic bridge that would shake a bit and then fall 20 centimeters. So we kind of knew what to expect, right? So I go into the experience, I put a headset on, I find myself in VR on a ski lift in a snowstorm um, and someone telling me from, from, from down there, you know, just hang on, we're going to come and get you. Step on the uh, step on the bridge. So the bridge in VR is obviously 20 meters high, whereas you know it's one meter in reality. So you step in the bridge, it shakes, and the guy says, oh, "We we're gonna fall, we're gonna fall," and you fall 20 centimeters in real life, but in VR, 20 meters. And your brain is tricked because mm. brain yeah, is yeah. E e easily tricked. When you fall, you find yourself in an entirely blue world with a can of orangina. <laughs> which also exists in the real world, so you grab the can and drink it. It makes no sense, narratively speaking, but that's not the problem. The problem is I had nightmares for yeah. a week after that. Why? Because Orangina killed me. <laughs> <laughs> and as a brand, you don't want to kill your customer, which is why the Adidas experience, you, you, yeah. when you try, you, you can't die. You can't die in the experience. Your arm like stays forever locked to the, to the, to the side right, of the right. rock. Because, yeah. And so from a storytelling perspective, that's, that's a bit of a silly example, but 
it's basic as a brand that you don't want to kill your, your customer. Because that's an interesting point as it. well. Because <laughs> the, the, the thing with these is, and a lot, a lot, and a lot of very tech-based immersive experiences is, is they're very hard to sell in PowerPoint. PowerPoint doesn't do them justice, or rather you make them too complicated in, in the PowerPoint presentation. Then when it gets to the actual experience, you realize actually all you need is a little simple trick like falling 20 centimeters, and that's the fundamental emotional part of the experience and all of the other kind of stuff falls away. Um, but what's your approach? You know, you're talking about how VR can change behaviors and all of the academic research, but what's your, what's your approach to selling this kind of stuff into brands who are even quite used to doing probably quite traditional advertising? Um, I think they have to try VR at some point, whether it's yours or not, uh, 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 doesn't really matter. I wouldn't be shy of showing the greatest hits in, in, in VR because to your point, unless you try it, you would not believe that falling tw 20, meters, 20 centimeters would give you uh, nightmares for a week. You would not believe that you are incapable of walking yeah. two straight meters in front of you because in VR, yes, you do believe that you are uh, uh, high up. And so there's, there's still this, this, this magical element and there might be a disbelief uh, until you're in there. So showing it, education, I think is still essential. Um, especially for people who say, I've done VR, when all they've tried is a Samsung Gear or even worse, a cardboard. Right, and which, it. Yeah, which is not, yeah. Yeah. Which is not really, uh, um, really VR. That's the first step. I think that the second step, after we've shown kind of the magic, is to put VR on the side completely for a while and discuss really what it is that's, that's, that you want to, to achieve, what is kind of the, the big purpose of your campaign, what mm. the success looks like, um, who you're talking to, what brand world uh, exists, and how you're going to, 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 to touch the people. Quite often you have a good idea but no way to, 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 to distribute it or a good mm. technological solution, but you're talking to the wrong people. Um, and I guess doing that strategic work ahead mm -hmm. uh, uh, is important. I would even go as far as to say... Um, don't propose any creative ideas for free. Yeah. Uh, and the reason I say that, and we have evolved uh, and we have learned the hard way, is rather than proposing a creative idea and go, it's going to be two hundred thousand pounds, which which scares people. You should almost go and offer a discovery phase, short consultancy sprint, to say we're going to work on all of those questions with you. We're going to talk to your end users. We're going to talk to the brand manager. Really get under the skin. At the end of that, we'll come back with an idea. You mm. want to do it? Fine. You can do it with us. You can do it with right. someone else. You That's don't want to do it? It's absolutely fine. And you have only spent a little bit of of money. So you kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, but do you think, like advertising in general and brands in general, the ROI which they would normally measure things against, is very detrimental to the advance of things like VR in this kind of space? Yes. So the, the question of the ROI is is is, is important. Um, the example I used earlier yeah. is the, um, is how long it took for the metrics on social media to be you know believed in uh, at the same level as as the as the as the TVCs. Even though now retrospectively you're like, well, no, it's obvious on social media you know who you're reaching and when and how much you're paying and you know mm. so much more about them than when you just splash something on TV. Um, but it still took time, and I think for 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 VR the biggest problem we have now is comparing the cost of let's say a view of a YouTube video with the cost of putting someone in a in a in a headset and to the point of your dad trying the the the, the plank experience 
it is very hard to quantify the value of your dad remembering this experience. He still talks about it. So, which is huge. Which is the point. Which is huge. How, I mean, that's, how, that's brand recall, essentially, isn't it? It, it is. It, it, it is brand recall. And just like in real life, your your you know your your memories that you will you know go to automatically are not the dullest. They are the they are the they are yeah. the most intense. And you can create that that intensity with VR. And effectively, yes, the the cost per experience per head is going to be much higher than pretty much uh, anything else. But if you can not kill people like Orangina, but make them feel <laughs> like you know, like they're heroes, like they are, they have become part of their dream world, like the Nissan Star Wars experience, um, you're creating a memory and a bond between mm. the brand uh, and and the customer that is that the lasts for for quite a while. Um, and then something which I've been looking at recently, and I'd love to know your thought on it, but. Um, there have been some more murmurings around Facebook potentially buying Unity. Have you got any sort of thoughts on that, on what that would mean? So what I've heard is that they tried yeah, and, uh, and uh, Unity said no. Um, we should disclaim that Facebook and Oculus are one of our clients, but we don't actually have any, un- we don't have any information about this. No, we haven't, no. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> um, I... It makes sense because more people are moving over to Unity as a development platform, aren't they? From um, um, so actually they're moving over to Unreal. Mm. Maybe that's the reason they didn't buy. Well, what's what's interesting with, with with Facebook? If you look back at their history, is they've always been that platform. Yeah. They never really succeeded in hardware because they didn't have an OS. Whereas mm. Google, who was just a search engine at the beginning, they built, uh, uh, and then they had YouTube, but they built uh, 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 Android. And because of Android, they were everywhere. They became such a big part of the ecosystem. Unity is the Android of the VR world. Yeah. So if you have it, suddenly everyone is, is, has to use you. And I don't think buying Unity is necessarily that closely linked to actually to the Rift. It's, it's, about, it's about owning the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you believe Mark Zuckerberg and his objective of having a billion people in VR, and if you make a parallel with, with the App Store or, or, or the Google Play, and that everyone is going to download, you know, pay five quid for a 20-minute VR experience that's really strong and then move on, which I think is, is about the, the, the right format. If you, if you own Unity, you own the creator's uh, 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 ecosystem, and then it's very easy to build your shop on top of that. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that was the, the move they wanted to make. What, what is interesting is... is is what's happening between Facebook and uh, and uh, and uh, HTC? Mm. Facebook is clearly aiming towards uh, the the B two C market, whereas HTC have kind of given up on that to an yeah. extent, and now they're like, okay, we're going full on uh, uh, with the enterprise. Yeah. Same with the Hololens. The Hololens is enterprise; they're not even trying to yeah. to sell to anyone. Whereas the Magic Leap are still saying, well, we know we're too expensive now, but ultimately we're going to be in your in your living room. And what, what Apple is going to do is going to be very interesting. They always came late, but they come with something that is actually market-ready and user-friendly, and they have, they have their, 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 their massive brand kudos. And there are rumors that they're going to release a Magic Leap-like yeah. uh, mixed-reality headset in the, in, the, in the coming two years. If they do, it, it, will be, it will be very, very interesting to follow. I'm sure I heard that two years ago as well, that they were going to release it in two years. It's, it's the, been the sort of thing on everyone's... Lips in the communities, it's like, when's Apple going to release it's their bit of kit? When's Apple going to release their bit of kit? It's, Apple is a little bit of a ridiculous yeah. cult to, to, to some aspect. And it's, That's it, true. 
it also it's not an it's not a consumer electronics brand it's a it's it's a luxury brand mm-hmm. and you know like you 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 below 40 year old you buy you buy a like the computer you have you know you, yeah. you buy a macbook hair you don't buy a you don't buy a, a prada suit yeah it's yeah it's a luxury thank you very much thanks so much for your time today cheers yeah. guys yeah, yeah, really appreciate good. it really interesting Wonderful. so let's go and uh let's go and do some vr climbing yeah let's go check it out sounds good <laughs> cheers Thanks for listening to the first episode of the Genuine X podcast. Uh, I'd like to say a special thank you to Christoph for coming in and sharing some of his insight. Um, we've got plenty more to come from the Gen X podcast in the coming future uh, with some more guests coming in. Uh, whenever we do a sort of Gen X breakfast, we like to bring people in to the podcast so that we can sort of talk a little bit more in depth about what they shared with us. Um, and we're also doing some very exciting work, which uh, can't really talk about just yet, but we will be able to talk about it in the near future, which will involve us talking to some really interesting, creative and innovative people along the road. Once again, thanks for listening and keep an ear out for episode two of the Genuine X podcast.